All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, we're going to go ahead and cover the Harden trade as well as the Central and Northwest divisions. So everybody sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. Starting off with this crazy Harden trade that happened, right? So, you know, the week is cruising along as normal. Everything's going fine. And then all of a sudden, we get hit with this crazy news that James Harden has, in fact, been traded to the Nets. And it's kind of one of the craziest sagas that's been going on over the course of the whole season, even from when before the season ended. And I feel completely foolish because literally last week, I was talking about how, hey, you know, the dust seems to settle and the Rockets are going to be better. And lo and behold, a few days later, James Harden is making some outlandish comments, clearly is going against everybody else that's in the locker room, and Inso ends up putting himself in a position to quickly be traded. And, um, you know, I think that the Rockets have had this a long time coming. If you look at what was done at the end of the Chris Paul era of Houston and how he was traded for Westbrook and they sold the house basically to, to get uh, James Harden, who he had wanted at the time, tried it for one season. It didn't work out. And then, you know, they traded him away to get John Wall and quickly that had turned sour very, very quickly into the point where they knew that this wasn't going to be a viable option for them and quickly moved on from James Harden. I feel like the new GM coming in, as well as the new coach, Raphael Silas, Silas Stone, or you know whatever his name is. I'm sorry, I just can't remember anybody's name. But Raphael Stone and Steven Silas, I believe, are the two names. But you know they quickly turned around. I think for the Rockets, I mean, they got a whole haul of uh, picks in lieu of this horrible, you know, Harden contract that they got rid of. I mean, honestly, to go from where they were at at the start of the season with a horrible Harden contract and a horrible Westbrook contract to going ahead and signing Christian Wood, bringing in Boogie Cousins, trading Westbrook for John Wall, which to me so far has appeared to be an upgrade as uh, Westbrook hasn't been able to play and John Wall looks to be back to his old self. I mean, we're looking at some fantastic pulls from what the Rockets organization was able to do. And then further from that, when this trade happened and they got rid of Harden's horrible contract for basically an expiring Oladipo and a whole host of picks. I mean, the Rockets did a good, good job of getting rid of those terrible contracts and really just putting a focus on the future. And that's exactly where they're at and where they're going to be moving forward is that they recognize that the West is too tough for them. Not too tough, but with the team that they had, they didn't really stand a chance against some of the other competitors in the West of actually taking home the title. And this new GM and new coach basically cashed in all their chips for bets on the future and draft picks and some of these other pieces. Now, I still think this Rockets team is going to be highly competitive, especially, you know, John Wall, Boogie Cousins playing at elite level. Christian Wood continues to get better. Oladipo is playing in a contract season, so he's going to be doing his best. And, you know, more on him in a bit. But this Rockets team, I think, will still be competing for a playoff spot. They likely won't win the division at this point, but I don't think they were going to anyway, given that, you know, James Harden was just being such a train wreck. So with all that built in, Really, really good play for the Rockets. Um, I mean, they came out, I think, the winners. Granted, 
draft picks are basically just lottery tickets exactly right and they're basically scratchers and they could be worth five ten thirty dollars when you pay for a dollar or they could be worth absolutely nothing depending on the draft class that year and everything else that happens so how this goes is tbd um but at this point it looks like they've gotten a ton of value from somebody that clearly just didn't want to be there in james harden for the nets I can't say I love this, getting rid of, you know, Torian Prince, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and a bunch of picks. I mean, they had to give up a whole lot to get James Harden. Granted, I mean, they had to get the deal done. And on the flip side, lottery picks could turn out to be not very valuable if they're making championship runs on a yearly basis. But that being said, giving up Jared Allen, a 22-year-old center that's just been absolutely dynamite and just continues to get better year after year. And everybody that's listened to me, for all these episodes to know how much I like Jared Allen. And same for Karis LeVert. I mean, getting rid of him, I mean, that's a valuable guard, especially with Dinwiddie gone and Kyrie doing whatever he's doing and being absent. You know, Karis LeVert was able to, you know, bring 20 points to this team on a regular basis that I think will be hard to replace. That being said, I mean, the Nets are clearly in a win-now position and have three very, very good players in James Harden, Kyrie, and KD, as long as they can keep them happy and will continue to be a great team, but man, I just think the depth is really in jeopardy and their focus on a win now scenario might be a little bit premature this early into Steve Nash's tenure. Um, but man, what a what a blockbuster trade. And it happened like in the middle of the day. I was literally just sitting in the office and I had to say wow out loud maybe like 15 times in a row just because, you know, for all the chit chat and all the chatter that had been surrounding the possibility of this trade happening for it to actually happen I mean man I was just kind of blindsided dumbstruck whatever you want to call it um but it was great I mean at this point it's it's good to see that it was finally done and apparently needed to happen and uh waiting for these next few few days to unfold as far as how it's going to play out once these teams have officially landed but that's pretty much the, the biggest news as far as trades happened in in this, and there was a few teams involved, and we'll cover a couple of them as we talk about some of these divisions. But um, man, what a crazy, crazy week in the in the sports world! And then on top of that, COVID is now becoming more and more of a problem as more and more games get canceled, postponed, whatever you want to call it, um, and players are just left to play like completely dilapidated. I mean, you look at these Heat Sixers games where the Heat basically had nobody on the court who was playing in that final series just a few months ago due to health and safety protocols. And it, it gets to a point where, you know, enough is enough. Not saying that, you know, they should be playing, but it's just kind of crazy to see them have to go up and what that means for potentially what will be a playoff spot later. I mean, granted, I know the league put in place these, you know, 9, 10 playing games, but even still, like, the difference between – getting a play-in game and getting an eighth spot or a seventh spot or potentially even a seven to six is highly in jeopardy based on what these health and safety protocols are making the players' teams out to be. So um, got to stay in front of it and see what's going to happen over these next few few weeks and as we head into the March break. I mean, we're basically six weeks out from the March break, and I, I potentially can foresee it being longer than a week for this break as intended as, you know, they let this thing bet out. But, I mean, whereas the bubble was really, really successful, this 
style that they're currently in has really not been. Um, so, I mean, there's not really not much the league can do except continue to test and um, hope that their COVID problems kind of minimize, if not go away entirely. But really, that's all they can hope for moving forward. Um, and hopefully, you know, it continues to get better and we see less and less canceled games. Getting back into the point of today, let's talk very quickly about the Central Division. Um, and just to recap, we have the Milwaukee Bucks at eight and four, leading the division. We have the Pacers at seven and four, Cavaliers at five and seven, Bulls at four and seven, and Detroit Pistons at two and nine. This is basically shaping up exactly how I predicted at the beginning of the season for this division. We got Milwaukee on top, followed by Indiana. You know, in a playoff spot for sure. And then where it falls after that, you know, Cavs, Bulls, Pistons. I mean, they're not really suited to be a contender in the East um, or even in this division for the most part. I mean, I think Milwaukee Bucks are far ahead of everybody else, and then Indiana Pacers have been playing really well. As for, I mean, the Bucks, it's really been Giannis and Chris Middleton as expected back to, you know, Drew Holiday has been able to come in and give them 15 points on a regular basis. Their bigs are playing well. I think, honestly, the biggest plus – for the Bucks so far this season has been the addition of Bobby Portis. I mean, he's been an absolute monster, and mainly on the defensive end. I mean, he is shooting, you know, 50% on eight shots a game, you know, uh, 40% from deep, but he's really been killing it, grabbing eight boards a game, and he's only playing 24 minutes. I mean, he's not playing, like, a huge amount of minutes. Granted, he's playing, you know, the sixth most out of anybody, but still, I mean, having him be able to come in and do what he's able to do on the defensive end has been really, really great for this team. Um, and then, of course, Giannis just continues to get better and better. I mean, granted, he did miss one game, but that's okay. Bucks are the highest-scoring team out of anybody in the league, um, which just is a tribute to, you know, what they've been able to do from three-point range, shooting 41% as a team. I mean, it's just really, really good. Um, so, I mean, the Bucks are far and away, I think, the favorites in the East, maybe challenged now by this new um, Nets team that's been put together because of the Harden trade. But Giannis just continues to propel this team. The only thing that I'm kind of worried about is – when they play some better teams, it seems to be that they haven't had really a ton of cohesion and success against the really good teams. I think that's why they're sitting at eight and four. I mean, they beat everybody they're supposed to beat, but they haven't been able to really split between the teams that they are more challenged by. And so I would, you know, expect them to continue to get together. I mean, most of the players that are on the team have been on the team and continue to, you know, fill their roles as needed but you know just bucks cruising along as expected kind of i mean uh, from a conference standpoint they're second in the conference just behind the celtics and that's only because the celtics really haven't played so their losses and win percentage keep them higher but even so i mean the bucks do need to elevate one more level up before they can go you know to the next level i mean in their last 10 they're seven and three I mean, they've only played 12 games, and they're on a three-win game win streak. But, man, whenever they play somebody good is when they have a real challenge. And even, like, teams like the Cavs and the and the Magic are doing good. And the Bucks have been horrible against the spread as far from a betting standpoint and playing a lot of these teams just way, way, way too close. Um, but, you know, no big moves for them lately, and they're exactly where I thought they would be. So 
shout out Coach Bud and shout out Giannis and uh, the whole Atajikupo family. Next up here, we're going to talk about the Pacers for a second. One of the teams in this four-player, four-team Harden trade. And honestly, one of the teams I think that made out better. So losing Oladipo, who is an aspiring contract, some may argue was a bad thing. But honestly, him, he has made it clear that that's really not where he wants to play, where he sees himself for a long term. I think his whoever, you know, talks to him behind the scenes always comes out with the fact that he wants to go to Miami. It's still been made clear made apparent that he wants to go to Miami even despite getting this trade right now. They might even sign him next year. I mentioned he's in a contract year, so he should be playing out of his mind and so far, I mean, he's played 9 games out of, you know, Indiana's whole season here, right, of 11, so he's missed two games and He's playing a little bit better than in years past or as he has been at his career. I mean, he's a career 17-point scorer. He's up to 20 points, rebounding a little bit better. Assist numbers are up. Um, field goal percentage is down, uh, and he's not getting to his line as much. But honestly, his production has been exactly the same. And for the Pacers, to get Karis Levert, who arguably is like a discount Oladipo, from a defensive rating standpoint, his he's a couple points lower on the defensive rating right so he's not as good defensively but I think he also is charged with guarding better players on the nets from a scoring standpoint he gets you one less point per game this season than Oladipo does in six more minutes his shooting percentage is literally identical and he's five million dollars a year less expensive than Oladipo and you get him for three years so in the broader scheme of things, if the Pacers were really going to lose Victor Oladipo in free agency anyway, to flip him into Levert, who they have for the next few years, and take care of some salary cap, the Pacers are really coming out the winners here. And on top of all that, they got a second-round pick. Now, I've already talked about the value of second-round picks, and it really isn't very high. I, I really don't think the second round is worth anything um, other than a congratulations to the people that get drafted. But the but more importantly, getting Karis LeVert and what I call the discount Oladipo and getting rid of Oladipo's contract, who likely was leaving in the free agency anyway, man, the Pacers have done well. Now you pair that with the play that Sabonis has been doing and wow, like the, this Pacers team could really make a run in this division. They could make a run in the East and, and it's just been great. I mean, in 37 minutes a game, Sabonis has been able to get you 22 with 13 rebounds. He's averaging 13 rebounds a game and just watching him play on the post has been absolutely filthy. Um, you know, he's not a great, like long, shot shooter, three-point shooter, deep two shooter, which, but that's not his game. I mean, he's a center. He's supposed to be down low. He's only 24. I mean, he's 24 and Levert is 26, right? So, I mean, you got a, a much younger team here in trading out Levert for basically the younger, better model. But Indiana has been really, really good especially Malcolm Brogdon as well, especially in late-game situations. The Pacers seem to be able to obviously play other teams competitively. Their their defensive rating is really high, or at least the games that I've seen them in. They've been able to keep games close. They don't really get blown out all too often. 
they also don't do any blowing out, but whatever. Maybe Levert will come in and change that as defenses have to adjust. But getting rid of Oladipo, adding Levert, man, I really, really like this team. Miles Turner, you, you heard me give him shout-out before. He's still leading the league in blocks with four a game. And just defensively, the Pacers have been absolutely great. So shout-out to you know their front office for being part of this trade, getting rid of Oladipo, bringing in Levert, and just the play from everybody on their team, including the holidays, T- you know, TJ Warren has missed seven games, but when he comes back, I mean, he's going to be dynamite at addition to this team. Same with Levert and Sabonis if and Sabonis and Brogdon, if they can really continue to play how they've been playing so far this season, this Pacers team is going to be really, really good. And I don't think that their seven and four record, I mean, they're fourth in the NBA, but or Eastern Conference, but they could really be, you know, third or second if they win some of these closer games that they've lost. Um, So with that all being said, the Pacers have been doing really well. Great trade. Great, great win of the trade. The other, I think, big winner for this division (coughs) has to be the Cavaliers. Now, a lot of jokes on Twitter have been made about the Cavaliers and how many bigs that they've got between Andre Drubin, Larry Nance Jr., JaVale McGee, Dean Wade, freaking uh, Marquise Bolden, and anybody you can name, Torian Prince, like they have all these bigs and now they've added Jared Allen. But here's the thing. They understand who their guards are going to be moving forward in Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, a.k.a. Sexland. Adding in Isaac Okoro, who's been great defensively, but not, you know, yet TBD on what he's been able to do on offensive end. But they have that figured out. They know who their guards are moving forward, and they've been damn good. You can't even say anything against this Sexland pairing of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. I mean, Colin Sexton is getting you 25 a game. He's missed a few games because of injury or health and safety protocol. Darius Garland, same thing, getting you 18, having, you know, only played six games this season. But honestly, like, they know who their guards are. So if they bring in all these bigs, and a lot of them are aging, right? JaVale McGree is 33. He's, you know, on the decline. Kevin Love is 32. He's definitely on the decline. Even Larry Nance Jr. at 28 is pretty old. A lot of people forget that Andre Drummond's only 27. I mean, he's in his prime, leading the league in rebounds and doing really well. But you add Jared Allen to that, man, this team is going to be young. They're going to be fast. They're going to be good. They're going to be great defensively. Like the Cleveland Cavaliers are, if not the biggest winner, after the then second right after the Pacers. Either the Pacers or the Cavs really made out in this trade, more so, I think, than the Rockets did or the Nets if we're talking about long-term making sense. And honestly, I think the Cavs are, are the biggest winner in picking up Jared Allen. I think in this, for the long run, Jared Allen is 22 years old, and he is far and away one of the best bigs in the league. He also has some of the best hair in the league. Shout out to Fro, man. But Cleveland really won, I think, this trade in landing Jared Allen. They also landed Torian Prince, who, for whatever reason, I always think is is better than he actually is. I mean, he only averages like 11 points a game. Maybe I just like what he does on defense. I have to go back and look at the tape on Torian Prince a little bit, and I'll get you guys an opinion about him next time. But honestly, 
like great great pickups great pickups and all they had to give up was some picks which you know I've already said multiple times how I feel about picks you know and and what their value is so you know getting a sure thing in Jared Allen to add to your super young 22 and 21 year old front court back court sorry beefing up the front court, adding some some help to Andre Drummond. Hell, even Kevin Love can give you some veteran minutes and, and make you a good team. Now, am I saying the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to win the East this year? No. Are they going to win next year? No. Are they going to win the year after that? Probably not, okay? All I'm saying is that this team is going to be a lot better, and teams are going to have to game plan to actually take this team out. It's plain and simple. Plain and simple, right? They're not going to be that easy scratch on the schedule. This is going to be a team that teams have to circle in their calendar. I mean, not circle in their calendar, but if you catch them on the second night of a back-to-back, you you are likely going to lose that game. They're that good defensively, and adding Jared Allen just made them that much better. Watch out for the Cavs. You heard it here. Still mad about 2016, though. LeBron or no LeBron, I don't care. Okay, next team in this division, the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls, first and foremost, made a great choice in adding Pilly Donovan as their coach. Now, they're fourth and seven, four and seven, they're 12th in the East, currently out of playoffs. But they are sixth in scoring in the NBA. And obviously, the big driver of that is Zach Levine. Zach Levine is so good, man. He's so good. He gets you like 27 points a game, 28 points a game. He's shooting like 50%. He's damn near like a 50-40-90 guy. If you look at his stats, he shoots 49% from the field, 37% from deep, 88%, really 89% free throw shooter. He's a 50-40-90 guy, right? He's great. The problem is nobody on this team can play defense, like straight up. They are ranked 28th. In defense. Take take the game they had against the Clippers. I think it was, what, Sunday or Monday? They scored like 145 points in regulation and lost that bad boy. They were 12-point dogs. And granted, the Clippers are horrible against the spread. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But the Bulls scored 140 in regulation. Like, they have no problem scoring. Kobe White is great. I think they're... Rookie pickups, Patrick Williams and Daniel Gafford are also good, right? The other pieces on their team are kind of sketch. I think when they get Sadarensky back, they'll be a little bit better. Otto Porter Jr. is playing absolutely great. But even with that being said, man, unfortunately, Zach Levine is getting getting wasted on this team. I mean, he has a fourth of the team's points at 305 out of 1277. Kobe White's number two scorer after him. Shout out my boy in his sophomore season, young Kobe. But the Bulls, man, they're so good on offense. They can run for sure. The problem is they just give up so many points. I mean, their pace is third out of the league. Third in the league in pace, right? Which means they're going to run. They are a young team that's going to run, which is Billy Donovan's offense for sure. But unfortunately, those just haven't translated into wins because they can't get the stops. Part of me thinks it's size, but I really don't think so. I mean, the smallest person is Kobe Kobe White, but even still, like, their team, he's 6'4". I mean, he's really not small. Also some of the best hair in the game. Shout out Kobe. 
But, I mean, the rest of the team, they have one seven-footer in Lori Marketing who has missed a ton of games. But, man, for whatever reason, Billy Donovan, I think, just needs some time on this team. Get him a couple draft picks, continue to develop some of these younger players, and the Bulls can be better later. I'm not going to talk myself into the Bulls. I think they're, you know, a couple of superstars away. I think Zach Levine really isn't, like, a super superstar. Um that being said, I mean, he's a 50-40-90 guy for sure. I think just I just wish he was better defensively and could help translate these Bulls' like points into wins. That's really what they need. And finally, the talk of the town, the Detroit Pistons, sitting at 2-9 and nine, and literally the worst team in the East and probably one of the worst records in the NBA. I mean, Dwayne Casey, for whatever reason, hasn't really been able to turn this team into a winning team. From a scoring standpoint, they're 23rd in the league. They're 22nd in pace. They're just really, really slow, um, methodical-type play. Part of that is D-Rose style. And by the way, D-Rose had one of the better books I've read in a long time, and I'll show you. Not because it was, like, really, really compelling, but it was just good in the sense that you can really tell he wrote it, and... I, you feel closer to him. So if you ever get a chance to read a book, it's called I'll Show You by Derek Rose with a forward by Sam Smith. It was really, really good. Unfortunately, <laughs> his skills at writing have not translated into Pistons win. And, you know, I shouted out their rookies on the last podcast and Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bay, And I think they've been really good. But unfortunately, Killian Hayes got hurt. Derrick Rose got hurt, Blake Griffin got hurt, and it's just been bad for these Pistons. Arguably, I mean, they're they're great against the spread, so, you know, to bet on them has been great lately. But unfortunately, they just can't win. I mean, they don't have a scorer that'll get you 15 points on this team aside from Jeremy Grant, who's just playing absolutely bananas. Um, shooting just really well, effective shooting percentage for Jeremy Grant up to, you know, 53%. So he's been absolutely great. But just everything else on this team, man, you got Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose really, really just past their primes, to be honest, different type ball game. I think they gave a bunch of money to Mason Plumlee. It was a lot of head-scratching moves over the summertime that I really thought would pay off. Um, But it just hasn't been translating into wins for this Pistons team. And unfortunately, I think that is going to just shoot them in the foot for the long run. They're not going to be able to, you know, do anything that's significant um, in one of the softer conferences, but unfortunately not one of the softer divisions. So, of course, just to recap, Milwaukee, number one, as we thought they would. Pacers making it interesting with some great moves. Cavaliers just laying the foundation for a really, really solid future. I just oh, I hope and pray nobody gets injured on that team because, honestly, it's turning into a young team that I actually like. Chicago, man, loves to run and gun, can score a ton of points, but just can't play defense, can't get enough stops to actually win any games. And then, finally, the Pistons, man. Pistons just play too slow, play too methodical, don't have any scorers, and, unfortunately, just get ran out of the court most times let's take a quick break we'll come back and talk about the northwest division all right focusing now on the northwest division we have the utah jazz at seven and four tied with them are the portland trailblazers at seven and four denver nuggets close behind them at five and six 
Oklahoma City Thunder at 5 and 6 and then the Minnesota Timberwolves at 3 and 8. Starting with the Jazz. I mean, apparently the sky was falling with the Jazz earlier in the season here and and they just had a really really slow start. They were getting blown out, yada yada yada. I had a sneaky f- suspicion though that this team their first unit would be great, but their second unit is where they would really, really struggle. I mean, I just, obviously, I don't believe in Mike Conley anymore. They've had some issues keeping Bogdanovich on the court. Um, their bigs, after Rudy Gobert gets off the court, are just kind of awful. Joe Ingles is having his struggles. Um, but they've had a ton of players just miss a bunch of games, just health and safety protocols, injuries, things like that. They've really only had nine guys play more than – half the games um, out of the roster of 16. So you can tell that it's just been really, really difficult for them. I think Jordan Clarkson has been playing really great. I think I still think they cashed him out way too much, but him getting 17 points a game, he's basically the second leading scorer behind Donovan Mitchell. What they're really going to need, though, is to just step it up offensively. The defense has been pretty solid. I mean, they're ranked eighth out of you know the entire league in defensive rating, but unfortunately they're 20th in offensive rating. So they really just haven't been able to get it going from a scoring perspective. And part of that, I think, has been a low level of production from Donovan Mitchell. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's getting you 24 points a game, but he's really going to have to get you like 30. Same with Rudy Gobert. I mean, his 12 is just really not enough. He's averaging more rebounds than points at 13. Um, Granted, he had a couple of games where he just went absolutely off, but the Utah Jazz, man, they got a tough, tough schedule. They got some tough competition in the West, but even within their own division, you know, three three of these other teams really are in a place to be really well. So the Utah, and I think the, another big thing is that they're suffering from is the lack of that home court advantage, man. Um, it, it, it's they're kind of like the Seahawks of the NBA, and and I've been to the Utah Stadium, man. That that place is rocking, it's rolling, it's loud. The fans love it. Um, and I went when they played a meaningless game against the Magic last year, and it was absolutely rocking. And they're just missing that this year. And, and maybe they're a team that, that struggles to get it going when they can't play in front of crowds. I mean, they had that really great playoff series against the Nuggets, their division rival, um, but just haven't done anything impressive or really gotten any impressive wins this whole season just yet. I mean, 7-4 and four is a great record. I think they were like 3-4 and four when everybody was really, really worried about them, and they've gone on a bit of a streak to go ahead and, and, you know, be at the number one spot in this division. I need them to lose a couple games because, of course, I got the Blazers <laughs> winning the division. But still, man, um, the Jazz just need to – they just need to step it up. Their second unit needs to come in and play a lot better. And, and arguably they have over the last few games. But, man, um, if they're really going to make a run uh, in the playoffs this year, they got to elevate and potentially should have made some moves. I mean, I think – you know, at this point, some of the dust has settled, and a lot of the moves have been made, both in the off season and and right now. But maybe they're a move or two away, a big or two away from from really elevating their play. Moving on here, I'm going to talk about the Portland Trailblazers, another team that, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're on a three win win streak after starting four and four, and they've been great offensively. They're kind of like the opposite story from the Jazz. They're ranked fourth in the league in offense, but 24th in defense. I mean, it's just been absolutely 
horrible defensively. Um, and it's funny, Dame, you know, got on and got mad about people calling the backcourt not one of the best in the league, if not one of the best of all time. And, you know, CJ's been playing absolutely out of his mind. I don't know if he's in a contract year or what, but he's been playing really, really well. Dame, is, as always, is, you know, carrying the team. But CJ is actually outscoring Dame in as far as, you know, a night-in, night-out production. Some of that stems from Dame just had a really, really slow start to the season, and CJ's was playing absolutely crazy. He's averaging 28 points a game to Damian Lillard's 27. I mean, they've been playing nuts. Carmelo Anthony's fitting into his role well. The only uh, Derek Jones Jr. has been a great addition, especially on the defensive end. But, again, their bigs also need to step it up. Not enough production out of your Nurkic. Cantor, as well, hasn't been able to produce a lot. And then, of course, they got some, some people missing. Harry Giles only played seven games. I mean, he's not contributing a lot either. But Anthony Simons and Rodney Hood continue to just be less than average at best. Um, and, you know, if the Blazers are really going to take this division and make it out of the first round, which they haven't done very many times, even though they make playoffs all the time. If the Blazers are really going to make it out of this first round, they're going to need both their backcourt to be continuing to fire on this level and then the frontcourt to really, really step it up and really play well. Um, and really that's that's mainly going to rely on the play of the new additions in Robert Covington and Derek Jones. I mean, seven points apiece basically is what they're averaging now, and I feel like that number's got to get up to 10, 11, 12, if this team is really going to elevate to the next level. But uh, I'm rooting for the Blazers, you know. I think that they're a fun team to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. I love throwing them on because they make games very competitive. Part of the reason is because they're so bad (laughs) defensively. But, you know, they're a fun game to watch on League Pass, so, you know, I'll continue to do so. Moving on here, the Nuggets, man. For how good Jokic is playing, he's literally averaging a triple-double as a big, you know, as uh, far as fantasy points go, he's the leading scorer of fantasy points. And I don't even play fantasy basketball for, for DFS and things of that nature. He's literally the league's leading scorer. So he, on a night-in-night-out basis, he's just producing like crazy. But he just – they haven't been winning. Or they lose against the freaking – teams that you'd expect them to beat like tonight they play against the Warriors and you know I have them projected to win unfortunately despite the Warriors really good play lately but Jokic I mean it's been playing out of his mind Jamal Murray nothing too impressive and then everybody else has just been kind of lackadaisical at best um I think missing like Michael Porter Jr. has to do a lot with that He's only played four games this season. When he comes back, the team is just so much better because he pairs with Jokic so well. So hopefully he'll come back soon. I mean, he probably got the worst of it as far as these health and safety protocols. I mean, he completed a seven-day quarantine just to get hit with an additional 10 days. And when you miss 17 days, that's, what, five, ten games? And it's a big, big chunk of the season. I mean, he's already missed seven. He's going to miss probably two or three more before he's able to come back. And that's a huge loss um, because what he's able to do and bring his, you know, 19 points a game and really help the Nuggets win some of these close ones. So I think where the Nuggets are now and where they're finished are going to be two different places. So keep your eye on that, especially when Michael Porter Jr. returns. The last two teams here I think I really have to talk to you about together. The Thunder have been better 
than I think a lot of people expected. I don't think anybody expected them to be five and six, including me. I mean, I had them projected really, really low. Um, but they've, they're they just a really young team that's fun to watch. I mean, Lou Dort is playing well. Shea Gilders-Alexander is playing well. Al Horford is surprisingly playing really well. Maybe he kind of got the mad mellow that he was, you know, the least wanted out of the group there in, in Philadelphia when he got traded, and he's been playing well. And this team is actually better, I think, than a lot of people will want to give credit for. Um, and they can also run. Their pace is literally like right in the middle of the pack of the league and they've been doing really well from that point unfortunately offensively they're ranked 29th in the league out of 30 so one of the worst teams offensively um but the defense is making up for it a bit but unfortunately just they're just ranked so so very horribly but i mean i I had projected them to be three and eight at this point and right now they're five and six and currently in the play-in spot for the western conference so um, kudos to them and, and Mark Degno for coaching this team so well. Sam Price always kind of, I mean, he was chalking up this season anyway. He chalked up last season, and Chris Paul willed them into the playoffs, and maybe something similar will happen this game where they get willed into the play-in game. I still got them crossed off a bit. I don't, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. And coupled with that, I think, is the Minnesota Timberwolves, who exactly – in the same situation. they got a young team. they got these different players put together. Cat missed a bunch of games, and I think that has to do with their 3-8 and eight loss. But they're a team where, much like the Cavs and much like the Thunder, teams can't just look past them because of what they're able to do on the offensive end. They're 10th in the league in pace. Their offensive rating is lower than I think it should be. It's 24th in the league, but I think it should be higher given you know the Cat return Anthony Edwards is showing why he went number one overall I think he's been a great addition to the team um it's just defensively this team hasn't been able to get the stops that they need to win a lot of close ones including the two against the Spurs that they played most recently so you know D'Angelo Russell I just hate the way he plays to be honest I hated the way he played when he was on the Warriors and he hasn't really lost any of his bad habits by moving over the Timberwolves Cat missing seven games is obviously huge. Josh Okoji, Okogi missing six games is obviously huge. Um, so that's like two of their best players that are missing. Two, of, I think, of their five. Malik Beasley has been playing really well, probably getting tips from Larsa Pippen. <laughs> Joke. Um, but, you know, D'Lo is averaging 20 a game, shooting, you know, 47%. I mean, it's not it's not terrible. It's just that, you know, the things that he does and the decisions that he makes with the ball is just – absolutely awful i mean he's averaging four turnovers a game which is the highest out of anybody on this league granted how much he touches the ball it's to be expected but still i just hate the way he plays i thought rookie rubio was going to be able to add a lot more to this team that we just haven't seen yet um other than the wisdom that he's been able to impart on anthony edwards and i'm excited to see this kid grow through the rest of the season and race for you know that number one spot um take home rookie of the year potentially it's between him wiseman you know same same guys as last week for sure. Uh, over these last four days, nobody's really impressed me on the rookie scale. But as for the Timberwolves, I mean, I had crossed this team off early. They're three and eight. It's going to be very very hard to climb out of that. Hopefully, they don't have to deal with too many COVID challenges um, and still see some great play. But they just they just don't have a team that's put together to perform in this Western Conference, for lack of a better word. But, you know, so that's it. Just a quick recap. Utah Jazz really need a second unit. The Blazers really need to play some defense. The Nuggets, if they get 
Michael Porter Jr. back, they're going to be a different threat than their 5-6 and six record really shows. The Thunder are better than anybody expected and are really fun to watch. Definitely a league pass team or an illegal stream team if you got you know nothing better to do for sure. And then the Timberwolves have just been you know, lack, lackluster, losing Carl Anthony Towns for a few games. It's really killed them, and they need some elevated play from Ricky Robio and um, D'Angelo Russell to just stop playing like he plays for them to really do anything great but uh i think that'll do it for this episode everybody thanks for tuning in as always make sure you you know like subscribe leave a comment and uh we'll see you next week for another edition of the showcase and uh till then keep watching basketball keep making your bets no woes and woes this week that's because uh you know the the betting has been pretty steady uh nothing too phenomenal that's happening i'm gonna play some bets this weekend for sure on some you know divisional round playoff games in the nfl and then of course what's going on in the nba i'm sure i'll have some stories for you next week but until then everybody take it easy and uh we'll talk to you next week